0: Welcome back to another episode of Resilient Health Radio. I'm your host, Dr. Darren Ingalls. And joining me on the podcast today is my friend, uh, Mira Desi, who is a holistic nutritionist out in the great state of Texas. And we're going to have a really, I think, uh, timely conversation about preparing yourself and your family during emergencies for food and water and supplies and You know, I think it's so interesting, you know, over the last, you know, gosh, several weeks that we've heard about wildfires that have just been devastating. It's been incredibly hot in most of North America. And uh, I think it's just good that this is something that should be on people's minds. So Mira, thank you so much for joining me on the podcast today.
1: Thank you so much for being here. It's a pleasure to talk with you today.
0: So this is also very timely that September is National Emergency Preparedness Month. And I'm sure most people listening have never heard of that. I hadn't heard of it until you educated me about it. So what does that really mean for people? What what should people be thinking about during this month?
1: You know, I'm so glad that you asked that. And I will share that it's great that there's a month dedicated to that. But really, emergency preparedness is something that we want to think about all the time. I'm very fond of saying the best time to prepare for an emergency is before there is one. So so the fact that the government has designated September as National Emergency Preparedness Month simply gives us a really great talking point to jump off and look at what we need to do to take care of ourselves and our loved ones. It's also a really great time to look at what are our local needs? Because for example, you live in California, your needs are vastly different than mine here in Texas, you know? And so for Texas, for example, we're about to head into hurricane season and that's going to be a whole host of issues that people need to be aware of. There are some foundational things that I think everybody needs to prepare for. And then it's a matter of looking at what can you do for your specific area.
0: Yeah. Well, I know being in California where we're an earthquake country, you know, the government's uh, pretty good about, you know, putting out, you know, public service announcements about make sure you've got enough food, make sure you have enough water. They always say for at least a week mm-hmm. uh, in the event that there's, you know, we always talk in California about the big one, you know, the one where half of California is going to slide into the ocean uh, to make sure you have the supplies because yeah when power goes out if you can't get gasoline in your car if you can't drive to the grocery store if you you know if there's just all these different things that could possibly happen that you know you need maybe to be self-reliant and have enough you know food water and other supplies you know for a potentially extended period of time so where do people need to start in you know this process
1: I really think one of the first places to start is with water. Uh, We can go without food for several days if we absolutely had to, if we didn't have supplies on hand, but without water, our survival rate drops considerably. And so the general recommendation is one gallon of water per person per day. And a pet does count as a person. So if you have little fur babies in your house, you need to prepare for them as well. And preparing a week's worth of water For a family of, say, four or five, all of a sudden becomes a lot. And one of the things I like to encourage people to do is to look at alternate ways to have water on hand. One of my really big learning lessons that I like to share with people, because we started this way, we would go to the grocery store and we would buy those two and a half gallon plastic containers. And we'd stack them in the closet. You know, we were so proud of ourselves. We had water. Until one time when I actually went to clean out the closet and discovered that one of them, the plastic is so thin, it had actually developed a leak and seeped into the carpet and emptied. So please don't yeah. use the thin ones. There is actually something called an aquatainer. And it it looks like a blue gasoline container, but it's blue because it's food safe and it's meant for water. And so those are very thick, durable plastic. So those are much better. I also encourage people to look at something, depending on where you are, like a life straw or a Berkey filter, because those can filter dirty water and make it potable. So then you also look to see where your water is in your area. And then when it comes to food, the biggest thing is to really take the time to figure out what is it that your family will eat. Like, please don't go buy the $175 box of garbage that they sell at the big box stores, one, those are all dehydrated foods, So you need more water to rehydrate them. And two, if you look at the ingredients, they're really not a great choice. So we look at what our family really will eat and then begin a plan of making sure that we're creating enough of a stockpile for the amount of time that we would like. And and I actually encourage people to think about more like two weeks because you never know how long the grocery store is going to be out of commission or if you can't get to where you're going.
0: Yeah. Are there, I mean, obviously we want people eating as healthy as possible, but you know, clearly during a crisis like this, uh, I guess getting food in is better than getting nothing, but are there specific foods uh, that people should really, I mean, should it be canned food? Should it be packaged foods? Are there things that you think are, going to be more durable and healthy at the same time?
1: So again, it depends on where you are and what your conditions are. So for us being in in hurricane territory, the power tends to go out, so having excessive stores in a freezer is maybe not a good idea. Having a freezer is still a great idea. I actually have two refrigerators, both of which have a freezer section, and they're both full. You can cook that, you just have to be able to eat that more quickly. I also like to encourage people to make sure that they, if they're going to have canned foods or dried foods to make sure that they've got enough protein on hand, because a lot of times when people think canned goods, they tend to think condiments and vegetables and sauces and things. And they forget that we can have canned meats like canned fish or jerky or other things like that, which could be good long-term protein sources because you need to keep your energy up and you want to make sure that you... Have enough to actually nourish yourself, so that you're not wandering around feeling off kilter and and starving.
0: So not Twinkies then.
1: <laughs> <laughs> no. Doesn't a Twinkie have a shelf
0: life of like thirty years or something ridiculous? <laughs> that well,
1: that's what they say. It's not really true, but I know it is. You know, it, here's the challenge. A lot of times in an emergency, I'm at a point now because we've been doing this for a very long time if an emergency situation is coming and it's something that you get an advanced notice, you know, most of us have the emergency alert on our phone right. now I look and I see, do I need any fresh food? And if I do, I'll try and go real quick and get that. I, the last thing I want is to be in that line at the grocery store with people who have grocery carts piled high with chips and cereal and ice cream. And I'm thinking that is just not a really good choice. You know, so I I wanted, and as a matter of fact, the last emergency situation that we had here, I was able to just stay home. I didn't even have to go anywhere near the grocery store. That's an ideal situation.
0: Yeah, well, it's interesting. Uh, I I've got a colleague up in Vermont that they had terrible flooding, so their problem was water damage. Now, again, they lost power because a lot of the power grids were being affected by the flooding. But yeah, I guess you you really have to assess what your your issue is because that may dictate is the problem with power is the problem with going to be with your gas line is the problem going to be with your actual personal space, because I guess all that's going to really alter how you you plan things. Um, and I was also curious, to you know, what are your thoughts on having other sources of preparing foods so i'm thinking you know should people think about getting a small propane tank you know with a little burner so that you can cook your own food uh is it worth you know i mean i personally uh, during the pandemic again we just weren't sure what was going to happen in the world and so we went out and got a very small solar generator that uh, again, you know, was really would feed off the sun. So in the event you didn't have a way to power your generator. Now it doesn't generate a ton of power, but if you had to power a cell phone, if you had to power a small refrigerator, you could at least get a little bit of juice. So are there things like that that you should, uh, should people be thinking about those kind of things as well?
1: Definitely. So, you know, one of the things to keep in mind is there are certain emergencies that we can be mindful of. We know, there are going to be hurricanes that come at a certain time of year. We know certain parts of the country are going to have, you know, flooding or mudslides or wildfires or things like that. Then there are other things that we have no awareness of at all. So back in uh, 2021, Texas experienced what we refer to as the the great Texas snowpocalypse. And we had this huge snow that took down the entire power grid or almost the entire power grid. I
0: remember that. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And so having a way to prepare food was hugely important and I this is when it's a great time to remind people that if you have a grill it's always a good idea to have extra of whatever it is that fuels your grill. So if it's a charcoal grill have extra bags of charcoal. If it's a propane grill I encourage people to have at least one if not two extra of those little 5 gallon propane tanks. Those are great. If the weather's really inclement you can bring the grill into your garage as long as you open the door. Please don't bring it into the house to cook on. Please don't cook right. in the garage with it closed. Like that's really, really deadly. Uh, and then camping stoves are great. I love those. I also know that there are some people who will actually go so far if, they're, if they tend to like that outdoor kind of DIY thing. You can actually build a little solar cooker pretty easily. And those things get pretty hot. Uh, So there are, you know, again, it's a matter of what are you willing to do and what is going to be the right thing for your situation. So if you have something on hand, use it. If you don't have something, you're not, you don't grill, you're not a camper, you're not somebody who wants to be in the great outdoors, totally fine. But having a little sterno stove, a little camper stove, something like that, and learning how to use it before you need it is a really good way because you you definitely want it, and you also can use it to boil water. Sometimes that can be really important for sanitation as well.
0: Yeah, and I might throw in that, uh, again, I think it's a good idea to invest in some sort of water filtration container. I mean, they sell them at places like REI, and gosh, you can probably even buy them at Target or Walmart these days, but you know, they've got that built-in filter that'll pull out bacteria, other types of contaminants. If for any reason your water supply does get contaminated, uh, but the other thing that you can also look into is iodine, adding a little bit of iodine to water will also help kill a lot of stuff. So if for some reason you don't have that kind of water filtration, uh, you can buy some very inexpensive, you know, Lugol's iodine and just put, you know, a few drops in your water, shake it up, let it sit for a couple of minutes. And that potentially will help kill off any potential pathogen that might be in the, the water. That's,
1: that's a really great option for people. And, you know, I think one of the other things, again, if you do have a water filtration system, this is where we're being prepared. We're backing up. So if your filtration system of choice is a life straw, do you have an extra for everyone in your family? Because depending on what your water's like, you could blow through that filter pretty quickly. If you have a Berkey, do you have an extra filter? I mean, Berkey will tell you they can take swamp water and make it drinkable and clean. But it's going gonna, it's gonna to muck up your filter pretty quickly. So we have to make sure that we have some redundancies built into the system. And then it's also really important to make sure if you have a specific health condition that requires you to eat a certain way or to have certain supplies on hand, that you are not living in the just-in-time model where it's like, yeah, I'll go get that later. We always have what we need on hand.
0: You know, you, you talked about the these blue containers for storing water that's, you know, food safe. Are there other things that people should be thinking about for their other dried goods? Is there a better way to try and store these uh, so that, you know, either lengthens the shelf life or protects it for other reasons? Are there other types of, you know, containers or things that people should think about as a way to store their food?
1: My favorite Thing is to, if possible, store things in glass. If they're already in a can or a container, that's fine. We want to leave it sealed as long as possible. We also want to really make sure we're paying attention to the expiration dates on things. You know, one thing, so I do uh, preparedness consultations with families and a lot of times I'll ask them to go into their pantry and they've got things that they bought because they wanted to be prepared and it got shoved to the back of the pantry It's five years out of date and like nobody's going to eat that. So making sure that you're just paying attention to the dates and for things that are in large containers, possibly breaking them down into smaller glass containers is a good idea. I also encourage people, you know, moths and pantry bugs are just a, a way of life. It doesn't mean you have a dirty home. Unfortunately, most of the time they come into our home in the packaged foods that we buy. So having some kind of a a pantry moth trap or something in your pantry area as well is a really good way to make sure that you're, because that will attract them. And so just, you know, pay attention to the dates, break things down into smaller, more manageable packages for people who are really concerned and want perhaps even longer term storage. You can do things like vacuum seal. There are some really inexpensive vacuum seal devices that you can purchase at a number of different hardware locations. I think they even sell them at Walmart and you can, you can vacuum seal your food and that will help the dry goods last a little bit longer as well.
0: And if you are going to use canned goods, really important, have a manual can opener. Yeah. <laughs> I'd say that, that I know someone who again, had bought a bunch of canned foods and there was a power outage and they went to grab their canned goods and realized they had an electric can opener. It did not work without power. So if you're going to have canned goods, go get a manual can opener, keep it on hand because it'll make it easier to open your canned goods and trying to use a knife and, you know, fudge it in another way. So. Well,
1: so really funny historical fact, canned goods were invented because uh, Napoleon was looking for a way to preserve food for the army. He had a competition, somebody figured it out. And so they from there, we got canned goods. The can opener was not invented for almost 50 years after that. They actually used to use a chisel and a hammer to open
0: them. <laughs> oh, that's interesting.
1: Um, but I, I actually encourage people to have two manual can openers. So have one in your kitchen so if the power goes out, like you can use it. And then it, presumably you have an area where you're storing your your overflow, your preparedness pantry, and you've got another one in there.
0: Uh, that's very helpful suggestion. And I think it's something that, again, it's not really on our minds, but it should be just because it doesn't matter where you live in the world. Inevitably, there's something that can uh, cause some sort of catastrophe, some sort of power outage. So having that that kit all ready to go, like I said, that's going to save you from having to deal with getting to the grocery store. Because we, we kind of saw this during the pandemic. Remember people having these grocery carts filled with you know, rolls and rolls of toilet paper and a lot of dry goods, and you went to the shelves and they were empty. We know that the, the likelihood of having a panic during a, a crisis situation goes way up. And so you just don't want to put yourself in a position where you have to necessarily fight the crowds for food and water and other supplies. And having it on hand uh, from the get-go is just going to save you a lot of time and I think potentially grief uh, when that time comes.
1: And and there's actually one other thing that I think is really important most of us don't think about it because we're so used to being able to flip on a switch thinking about lighting sources because if the power's out and thing you know sun goes down things go dark we need to be able to have some sort of lighting sources for different things and we don't want to rely on the flashlight in our phone, because that's just going to run it down like crazy. So either having some kind of a camping light, or if you are going to use candles, one of the things that I really like, I actually encourage people to get them at the Dollar Tree. They sell these, you know, their votive candles, their prayer candles, they cost $1.25. And they burn for something like 40 hours. And so you can set them in something so that they don't fall over or anything like that. Put it in a sink, put it on a counter, you know, make sure that it's stable and safe, But that can be good. And then my other favorite Dollar Tree recommendation is to get the uh, the glow-in-the-dark bracelets that they sell. Those are fabulous for putting around things like doorknobs, nail posts, and small dark animals so you don't trip over them in the dark. <laughs>
0: Well, I know you have a whole program set up that walks people through this. Can you just share with the audience a little bit about what your program entails?
1: Sure. So it's called the Preparedness Pantry Masterclass, and I teach people how to build a preparedness pantry with the foods that their family will want to eat and making sure that they've got managed rotation so nothing goes bad as well as there's some great recipes in there. I also have a number of wonderful guest speakers who share their wisdom about things that we can do to increase our preparedness efforts. And uh, I'd really like to offer everyone who's listening a a little gift. The the first module of that class is called 10 Tips for Emergency Preparedness. And I'd love to give you a, a link where they can take that class for free.
0: Well, that's fantastic. Well, we'll definitely, we're going to drop a link for your free gift. We're going to drop a link for your full class. So for anyone who's tuning in, who wants more information, wants to get ahead of this project for you and your family, feel free, please to reach out to Mira. Again, she's a great resource. She's been doing this for a long time. And it's really not about just being prepared, but being prepared in the safest, healthiest way for you and your family. So Mira, I really appreciate you spending time with us today on the podcast.
1: Great to talk with you.